Yes, I want to talk about my big brother tonight and sort of brag on him because he's a really big thing. He's sort of like VIP. In fact, he's the MIP. Um, the most important person. You may have figured that one out. It's actually... <laughs> Really, what, what I've um, been sort of working on over the last few years um, is, I'm humming, is that right? Sort of trying to encapsulate the, the Bible history, sort of get a, um, an overview of the big picture of how the plan of God works that as he's been pre it's pre presented in the Bible. And so I have a chart. Everybody should have a chart. And so this is going to be a little bit chart heavy. But um, again, I'm trying to capture the structure of the, the plan of God, basically. Life, the universe, and everything. Okay? And wow. Well, and so um, that's what... The first hour is going to be on. <laughs> um, <laughs> you think I'm kidding? All right, but um, all right. Uh, where am I? Okay, so yeah, I, I, have, I have a chart. So the very first thing about the structure of biblical, um, the plan of God, the biblical history, is that Christ is the center of it. Jesus Christ is the very center. So that's the, the very first thing um, that. It had to be in there, okay? Uh, Jesus, uh, after his resurrection one day, he was walking down uh, the road with a couple of guys who didn't figure out who he was, and he started telling them, and the, the scripture says, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Okay. I mean, he did all that without PowerPoint. And he, he also did that without a recording device, unfortunately, because I would have loved to have that. Um, yeah. And he only had the Old Testament to go by. And, but he's all through the Old Testament, and we're going to see um, some of that in a moment here. Well, this is sort of my version of that. Um, I guess I'll click first. I do have PowerPoint. Yes. Okay. Uh, I really actually call this thing the crux. That's my, um, that's my word for this, the diagram or for my message or for the whole concept. Um, crux is the Latin word for for cross, okay? So that thing that they nailed him to that day, that artificial tree that the, the Romans would um, torture and execute people on, uh, they would call it crux, crux, whatever they would say, all right? Uh, a crux is also the, the vital, um, I've got new contacts on, I can't even read them, I said, basic or pivotal point of something, okay? And that explains what Christ is and uh, the, what we call the Christ event, where the, the death, burial, and resurrection uh, of Jesus, the cross event, probably better to put it, um, Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus uh, is like the pivotal point in, in, in all of this, okay? Um, Crux is also used in a sort of interpretation as uh, a puzzling difficulty and trying to find the, the, the answer to that. And so um, that leads me to this. What the, one of the basic uh, first things you notice as you look at, at the Bible is it's got two parts in it, right? It's got this Old Testament and you've got New Testament. And they're not, you know, there's distinct differences between them. And in the Old Testament, you get all sorts of references to, to Israel. And you still have references to Israel in the New Testament, but you have a lot of references to the church. And, um, and there's, you know, there's been all kinds of debate over the centuries. You know, there's Israel, there's the church. Is there like kind of the same thing? Are they different things? How similar are they? How much do they, um, you know, 
blend together. And there's been a couple of ways to sort of address the overall sort of connection between the two of them. The first one, um, click. Oh yeah, okay. It, it's cool because it gets red. Okay, click again. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And again. Yeah. Ah, okay, so here you have, uh, represents the Old Testament, and so, uh, or, or Israel, and then click. And then so, and it's like uh, New Testament. Okay, or, or the church. So it's kind of like two stages of a rocket or a relay race or something like that. So one comes and then another sort of takes the baton and, and, and goes. Uh, that's, that's a way that has sort of been seen. I think it had some inadequacies, but you know, it was good enough for a long time. Um, uh, so people objected to it saying, well, the church really isn't Israel. Israel isn't really the church. Um, there's some similarities. There's some differences. Um, and so we came up with another theme. Uh, click again. Again? <laughs> okay, so one, and then click. Okay, so a sort, of, a sort of a parallel thing. So we have like, uh, uh, probably, if you even know what sort of classical dispensationalism, this is, this is what that is. Uh, sort of like, there's sort of two parallel tracks. You know, there's, there's, there's Israel, there's the church, and they sort of like, just go that way, you know, in perpetuity. Uh, that's been criticized too, and one of them is like, uh, well, okay, where's Jesus in this, you know? Um, is, he, is he down there? Is he up there? Is he on both of them? Is he kind of split the difference, you know? Uh, um, are, there, are there really two peoples of God? I mean, it was sort of going into eternity, we don't really see, like, you know, two different heavens, and two different new earths and new heavens. Uh, so it needed a little more tweaking, I think. Um, so my, my version is more like this next. Okay, so you have um, Israel, uh, or Old Testament, uh, not quite the same thing, but roughly. Okay, and then like this. Next. All right, so you get them uh, at perpendicular things. And uh, the, the benefit of this, of course, is it's shaped like a cross. And uh, so <laughs> you, know it's, you know that's got to be biblical. Um, but I, I'm going to get into more of the details about how this thing is cruciform. It's, it's cross-shaped. And right at the middle click is, 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 is Jesus. Okay? So Jesus is the crossing of, uh, of both uh, the sort of Israel line and sort of the church line. Um, and that's sort of speaking kind of roughly. Um, but, um, all right. So... Um, Scriptures, now I'm going to sort of, that's my overview, I'm going to sort of go uh, in three parts here. So, Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the same, what, yesterday, today, and forever, okay? So, those are my three outlines, sort of past, present, future, yesterday, today, and forever. So, um, let's see where it clicks and where it gets us. All right. Okay. Um, Jesus began with Moses, explaining, okay? John starts his book, uh, he's telling all, uh, all these things that Jesus did, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you might have life in his name. And he starts at Genesis. He starts at creation. Genesis uh, chapter 1. So that's where I'm going to start you, because that's where uh, the Bible starts talking about Jesus, in my opinion. Um, now, uh, I'd love to, I wish, I really do wish we had hours and hours. I'd love to, to talk about Genesis uh, chapter 1, uh, ad nauseum, because um, I love that chapter, and it's really, it's just thick and rich. Um, and uh, there's a lot of nonsense written about it, in my opinion. But uh, um, 
What is Genesis chapter 1? Okay, first of all, um, well, it came out at the time when uh, Israel had come out of Egypt in the Exodus with, with Moses. And they were there at uh, Sinai, and uh, somewhere in that, uh, Moses was writing the, the five books of, of the, the uh, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, right, those are called the Pentateuch sometimes, you heard that term? Uh, the Torah, the law. And these are the books that form the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, explain how that works, and really take Israel from being a kind of an ethnic group, a, a group of uh, families and clans and stuff that aren't too united, into being a nation. You know, they've got lots of stuff, but it's a transformation into a nation. So Genesis, I mean, and the, the whole Pentateuch, I take as the kind of the founding documents of this new nation formed out there in the desert and about to go into the promised land. Well, 40 years later, but uh, anyway, as far as they know, they're about to go into the promised land right then. Okay. Um, now, founding documents, I mean, we have some founding documents in this country, right, for this nation, right? Uh, Declaration of Independence, right? Constitution. Uh, both of those, look how they begin. Um, how, how does the uh, declaration begin? Uh, all right, of course, you know that. When in the course of human events, all right? Oh, human events, okay. Uh, constitution, we the people, all right? All right, how does the constitution of Israel start? In the beginning, God, okay? All right, so this is like the unique nation on earth that is founded directly by, um, by God. And um, that's a little bit of a... So now, what does a covenant look like in those days? There was a, there was a, this is a little bit technical, but there was a kind of a form of the covenant that, they, that the, the first five books sort of follow. Okay, so uh, a covenant in the, old te in the ancient days, uh, ancient Near East would be... Click the next one. Uh, so it was when a great king would make a deal, set up a lesser king in his own territory, and he was in charge of this lesser king, but he gave him uh, reign over that. And so it would, it would, it would usually have this form. So I'm not going to belabor this one, but go ahead and click. All right, it has this sort of preamble where, the, where the, uh, the king, the great king, tells who he is and tells why you should tremble before him, right? Okay. Uh, and number two has a historical prologue when he starts to recount all the history of the relationship between those two parties, the king and the, and the lesser king. Okay, next. Then you get stipulations, get the rules, do's and don'ts, rules and regulations, about do, do this, do that, or stay in good favor with me, and then you have, uh, next, a bunch of deposition and reading, what do you do with the thing, where you put it, and next, uh, divine witnesses to, to witness to this thing, they call on the gods, usually, whatever, and the next one, and blessings and curses, and is there something else? No, okay, all right, so in the Torah, okay, let them fall. Yeah, okay, the floor, you got these five books, all right? All right, so if you, if you take these now, uh, what do you have in like almost all of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and a lot of Exodus? You've got like just rules and regulations, right? And, and you've got things with blessings and curses, and you can say, so if you cover that, click, so, all right, so you all this stuff, about, about half of Exodus is, covers all those things, right? The stipulations, the rules, do's and don'ts. And then, then you know that most of, uh, all of Genesis and most of uh, the first part, half of Exodus are history. Okay, so you've got this historical prologue, which tells, go ahead, click, uh, that much. So, 
uh, tells first about all of, you know, history of humanity, history of Israel, uh, sorry, history of Abraham, and then finally uh, Israel and Egypt and Moses and, and all that stuff in Exodus. All right, that leaves one chapter, one chapter as the preamble for this constitution, all right, of this covenant. And that, I submit, is what Genesis 1 is doing. It is God's introduction to us, telling us what he wants us to know about him, or else you won't understand the rest of this, okay? All right, does that make sense? That was a little, sorry, that was a little thick, but, um, all right. Okay, uh, next. So, what you have uh, in Genesis, you have, uh, you're fairly familiar with the text of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, earth was uh, without form and void, and then he starts, um, this darkness, then he, first thing he creates, uh, after he creates a uh, sort of time and space matrix of everything, the time-space continuum or whatever, uh, the universe uh, is light, okay? So, but uh, let's go to the next. All right, so, again, my premise is in, in Genesis chapter 1, God is telling us who he is and who we are dealing with, okay? And I'm going to show that Jesus is uh, right in there with it. Um, first of all, he is the creator, Okay, and uh, as you know, in um, John, John says about Jesus, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So when we talk about God, the creator, we are including Jesus, uh, the son of God, in that creation. Um, I, under creator there, I have... A, a, another word, owner, okay? So that's the first thing, that if, if he's the creator of the universe... It stands to reason he, it follows that he is also the owner of the universe, okay? It's like his thing, okay? You know, I, I don't know why, but I think we really have to get that straight before we get to any of this thing. It is his place, his rules, and, um, um, you know, uh, in, in Genesis, a little bit later in Genesis, this guy Melchizedek, you may have heard of, uh, and he, he blesses Abram, saying, blessed be Abram, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Now that word possessor, uh, you'll see footnotes in most of your translations, and or it, it says creator of heaven and earth. So it's a word that sort of means both creator and possessor, uh, owner. Uh, so he is uh, the owner of heaven and earth. And um, so that's the first, that's the first and most obvious thing you see about uh, uh, God's self-announcement in, in Genesis 1. Okay, next. All right, he's also king. What does he do? He speaks and it is done. All right? Uh, he has the voice of authority. His voice is authority. Uh, Jesus says, uh, Jesus encounters this, this man one time. He says, uh, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. All right? So when God starts to speak, uh, he is in authority. He has the voice of authority, and everything um, just does what it's told. No, until we get to man. But, um, <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So, um, number three. Okay, he's the judge, all right? Okay, so again, what we're doing in this is this, we're looking at this, this chapter, and the chapter's got a lot of sort of odd things in it. It goes like, it, this is a really, really big event, creation of everything, Okay. Uh, but he doesn't really tell us that much about it, right? He gives us a few details. He repeats a lot. So what's he trying to say? All right? He, he, he pulls out some details. Some details just jump out at you, right? Um, another one is that he keeps saying he saw that it was good, right? 
He says this over and over again. Well, it's, first of all, it's good because he's made it. And he's put his goodness in it. And when he looks at it, he can see that goodness. Right? So when he sees and knows that it's good, this is, uh, I think, an indication of God as the judge. He knows good when he sees it. All right? That's going to come in as a little bit of a problem later when uh, that first lady looks at something and sees it as good for food and stuff like that, right? Uh, even though it's like illegal. But, but um, so she's sort of doing the judging thing, right? Even though she looks at it and sees good, but she is not seeing her goodness in that. She is, she is it's just all screwed up, all right? Because you know, the snake told her to do it. But, um, uh, so with Jesus, um, the apostles in Acts said about Jesus, they went and preached, he says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And then again, a few chapters later, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. That's Jesus. And of this, he has given us assurance by raising him from the dead. That's Acts 17, 31. All right. Next one is, he's a father. All right. And if he's the father, he's also uh, the provider. Uh, there's a verse that, that I didn't write down, that uh, says, uh, you know, the father from whom every family on earth, the whole family on earth is named. It's, uh, I appreciate you're talking about family tonight because um, this, is, this is family in this thing. Where he says, uh, he made man in his own image. That's daddy talk, right? Uh, you see a few chapters later in uh, when Adam and Eve have the first kid, he says, uh, she brought forth a, a, a child in their image, uh, in, her, in her image. And... Um, so man is presented here as uh, the child, uh, in a way, uh, of, the, of the creator. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, I forget which one, uh, the genealogies of the, the, the God in the Gospels uh, comes out to, to Adam, the son of God. Right? And so there's this whole family dynamic that's right there, and it's, it's super strong. Of course, father and son, and um, he... Um, uh, Romans 8, 29 says, But those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Okay? And um, also in Hebrews 2.10, it talks about his, his job was to bring many sons to glory. All right? So there's a strong family dynamic. The other thing that this talks about fathers in this chapter, he keeps talking about seeds. Okay? We talked about seeds too. But he talks about seeds. He says all these trees, the fruits and the seeds... And it's over and over again in this, in this, in this chapter. And seed is super important in, this, in the sort of family line uh, theme. So all these things are themes that are going to continue throughout the scriptures. Okay, and the next one is light. Okay, the very first thing he creates is light. Okay, and that is uh, a, his expressing himself and making a thing. That, I mean, it, it stands out, right? Because he does like three days before he, he, he creates the sun. It's like... Okay, he's making a statement here. Light is used throughout scriptures as a representation of his righteousness, of his holiness. Uh, and so, um, this is why we, we get to uh, John, First John 1, 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And again, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus 
His son cleanses us from all sin. So light is super important in this thing. And it's going to be a, a theme just throughout the scriptures. And I'm going to talk again. All these things, hopefully I'll bring up again if I remember to do it uh, in, in this thing. They, they also recur in what I'm talking about here. Okay? All right. Um, okay, the next thing he does. And he does this a lot. Click. He divides. Right? He's always doing something and dividing it. Right? He does this and he divides that from that. Okay? Why does he do that? I don't know. Second of all, I don't know why he does it, but why does he tell us he's doing it? Right? He not only does it, when he probably didn't have to, but he tells us about it. All right? Well, uh, I've been divide um, remnant. All right? Uh, one important thing is he's going to divide the peoples. All right? He's going to divide things all through history. He's going to have a remnant at every point in history. He's going to have a people that he separated out for himself. And his overall goal in his plan is to separate out a people for himself, uh, for, his own, for his own glory, for his own pleasure, uh, for eternity. Um, all right. So uh, dividing is going to be important. And one last thing, a seventh theme. Uh, Click it. It's, it. Oh, it's time. Okay. Uh, it's, okay. W one of the weirdest things is he does, he, he deliberately takes seven, six days to do this and rests on the seventh day. Okay. Okay. God does not have to do that. God isn't really like in time. He's, he's doing this deliberately. I mean, I, I think it means what it says. And uh, why does he do that? Uh, and he, he, he sets the rhythm of life. For, for the nation and for the, for the um, you know, for humanity, really. And he also uses this number seven in this thing. Okay? Seven is a kind of a signature that we'll see again and again throughout the scriptures. I think it's like the, you know, I haven't counted, but I think it's the number one uh, number that recurs throughout scriptures. And um, again, it's kind of a signature of God. Okay. All right. So anyway, uh, that was a little bit long, but that sets up, uh, I wanted to say about... Uh, about oh, it, um, a couple of things about uh, separation. Um, it says, "Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness?" Okay, we talk about light, but light and darkness. What fellowship has light with darkness? There's a separation that's that's important in the scriptures, and and Christ uh, also it says he, he's. He's telling one time in Matthew 25, 32, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and will separate one people from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Okay. All right. And then on to number seven. Uh, we we, we uh, just won the very last book of the Bible. Uh, we have Jesus occurs and he says, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and it's seven seals. Okay, we'll talk more about seven seals or, or at least seven uh, toward the end. Um, all right. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, all right. So we've got um, light. Okay. And click. All right. So now we have like beginning of my, my diagram. All right, we have the creation of light, but we also have creation of humanity. And, and this, I've represented this by a beam of light, okay, that forms sort of the, the axis of, of, the, 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 of history, okay? So, um, if you're with me, all right. So, from creation, the point of creation, which is what the sort of flash of light there is, uh, on, um, he's intending mankind to be the image bearer 
to, and which will glorify God and bear his image and glorify God. Well, we didn't go very far before we went into a problem. Uh, okay, click. All right, so there's this problem that develops here with these guys, uh, and then click. So they kind of they kind of go dark, right? And it kind of sort of messes up the the whole light thing, okay? Because not only did they Adam and Eve uh, sin, but uh, very soon afterwards, uh, you know, there's murder, right? And then you get like these these wacky angel things, marriages and stuff like that. You get uh, this this whole line is just like polluted. All right, and it's like almost irreparable, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's on the verge to getting irreparable, but uh, so that's the first pivot in this is where where, where now the the, the whole um, redemption plan starts to kick in. Okay, so the first thing he does is is this. And this. <laughs> All right. Okay. You know, that's the um, that's the flood. Okay. <laughs> that's a little cloud with that. All right. All right. So what happens in the flood is basically um, he, he cleans up the cleans up the line bloodline. All right. He, he it's uh, my understanding of what's happening is is got the intermixture in human race and it says in Hebrews God does not give help to angels. It says, but to, 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 to human beings. And so uh, he, uh, he narrows it down to just, we're, now we're just dealing with humans, so cl click again. All right, so it's still dirty, but we've got it, you know, it's not like hopeless anymore, all right? So, uh, all right, so the next thing that happens after the flood is uh, the Tower of Babel. And so the next step in God's plan is to divide again, all right? He's going to divide and conquer. So he's dividing this ray of light into, like a prism, into click. And I say, that's my prism, and click. All right, now it gets real pretty. All right, so he's now, he's, he's now taken humanity and invented nations, all right? So you know, uh, in uh, Tower of Babel's in Genesis chapter 11, and then you have, uh, before, just before that, this whole table called Table of Nations in Genesis 10. And this is extremely important because this thing happens throughout the rest of the Bible, okay? You have the nations, okay? And a lot of times that comes out in English as the Gentiles, but Gentiles just means the nations or the nationals. Uh, so wherever you see Gentiles, it's the word for nations, okay? All right? So first thing he does is invent nations. Okay. Second thing he's do, he's going to make one of his own. All right. So next, so he's going to make his own nation. All right. Guess who that's going to be? I can't hear you. All right. So this is the way he does it. All right. He takes a guy. All right. He takes a guy uh, from Ur of the Chaldees. Takes Abram. Right. And he says, "What does he say to him?" He says, um, "I will make of you a great nation." And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right, now he's making his own nation, but what's he ultimately after? He's getting everybody else, okay? He's going after all the families of the earth, all the other nations, okay? So what he does is he takes Abraham, and he starts to build over time, right? Uh, so click the next one. All right, gets a little bigger, a little more. Click, a little bigger, a little bigger, bigger. 
All right, and then, you know, okay, it's really long, but click. And then, all right, and so, this is really supposed to be long, but these are the two ends of this, this, this long uh, thing. This is, a, this is like a zoom in on, this, on the ray of light there. All right, and right at the point, second point, it comes down to, um, click now, it comes down to Jesus, okay? All right, so um, in fact, it says, um, he says to Abram, it says, on that day the Lord made a covenant to Abram, with Abram saying, to your offspring I give this land. Now the Apostle Paul says, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Okay, so click that. All right, so the whole point, no pun intended, the whole point though, it, it actually is intended in a way, is to get from Abram to Christ. He is thus, and, and that word, that word uh, offspring, is really just the word seed, okay? So he is the seed of, of Abraham, all right? Over, like, that's about 2,000 years, okay? So, um, so the big structure here is getting from Abraham to Jesus, um, and he's also, by the way, the seed of the woman. Back in, in Genesis uh, three fifteen, um, uh, there's sort of the, like the very first prophecy of redemption. Uh, uh, he's actually talking to the serpent. He says, uh, "I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, her seed." And uh, your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So he's the seed of the woman. He's the seed of Abraham here. And so, um, uh, go ahead and click again. We got okay. All right. So uh, you see, in this in this red ray, that represents the nation of Israel. Now, the main function of the nation of Israel is to bring Christ to the earth. All right. To, uh, it's sort of like the injector of the God-man into human history. It's gonna take a while as a process, but okay, so click again. All right, so you've got this line going all the way, click to the spot where Jesus is, okay? Uh, sort of follow how this works? Okay, all right. So now we have um, Jesus coming in the line of Israel. Okay, um, click again. All right, so this, um, Represents something. Oh, it's Moses. Okay. All right. All right. So now we've got something that happens with Moses. Okay. To, to, to make. Okay. And what happens uh, about 400 years after? So you have Abraham is like planting a seed in the soil. They bring God brings him into the land, plants him in the soil, and then has few few sprouts come up. You know, small family, and he takes him to this big incubator. Okay. Boom. In Egypt, and then grows them up big. All right. And he's going to transplant them back into the land. And they're going to like go through all kinds of stuff. But again, the, the big goal, even though they don't realize it this time, is to bring Jesus Christ to the earth. Okay? And so, uh, but you've got to maintain this ray of light with purity. So, at, at, at Sinai, they're made into a nation, and they're given this. Okay, click. All right. This is a tunnel. All right, There's, they enter into this big long tunnel. It's called the law. 
all right? So this tunnel is made with bricks that are individual commandments, okay? And one purpose of this, this long tunnel is to keep this ray of light coherent. It's like a laser beam, okay? Headed straight to Jesus Christ and to keep them from intermixing with the nations, all right? So part of the law was to keep them a peculiar people, a separate people, right? So, um... Uh, really, I've got these like straight rays of light with the nations, but they really sort of blend in and out, and they're like you know, going haywire, but it's just a representation. But you wanted, God wanted to keep and designed to keep Israel uh, relatively straight. I mean, there was, <laughs> they're pretty wacky, all right? I mean, it's just like they're just folks, and they just really goofed it up. But he, he um, wouldn't let them goof it up. Uh, such that uh, Messiah was not able to come. All right, so within that tunnel, you've got um, like a millennium and a half of time where they're living in the law, under the law, and you've got all kinds of development going on, okay? Things that are preparing the way for Jesus Christ. Uh, they've got the sacrificial system, okay? All those different things, these animals that they would kill, the blood, it all was going to culminate in the real one true sacrifice that Jesus Christ is going to do on the cross, all right? You have got the whole kingship thing, uh, this developing, and this. then you've got like, like David, who's like this ideal king, even though he's just folks again, and he does some, some cruddy stuff, but he's, he's like held up as ideal. And so uh, David becomes uh, like not only the ancestor of Jesus Christ, but a kind of a, a, a type, a pattern of him. Uh, Jesus is called the son of David. And so, um, and you have all these prophecies that, that go on. Um, one of them is that um, of a suffering servant in Isaiah. Do you know, you familiar with that one? That's, um, it says, my servant will, will do this and will do that. And he'll be crushed and uh, he suffered. And um, one of the things the rabbis had to debate over the years was, oh, is, this, is this talking about Israel? Or is this talking about the Messiah? Okay. Um, well, the good news is, it's both. Okay, um, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you that, but why in a second here. Um, so anyway, we have at the end of this tunnel, we have the emergence of, of Jesus Christ. Um, it, it, the, the Bible says, um, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And it also says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, it's the end in two different ways. It's the end in the purpose of the law, okay? Again, this law is like this long tube, long tunnel, that again is the injector. It's like pushing, uh, injecting Jesus Christ into the human uh, into the human race. And it's also, um, literally, it, it's, the law sort of ends there, as, as the law, uh, right? And one of, the, one of the servant prophecies in Isaiah 49.6 is really important. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, that is Israel, right? And to bring back the preserved of Israel, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. Okay, you have the nations, you have the light. Um, all right, click, let's see what's next here. All right, okay. Um, 
Right. So how is Christ the end of the law? Okay. Right. The law was a representation of what? It was a representation of the character of God, of the nature of God, of the righteousness of God. Okay? Alright. But it's just a but it's a finite one, okay? There's just so many commandments. And um, it's kind of a checklist, okay? It's, 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 it's a, a spot check here, there, you know? What it's looking for is the life of Christ or not, right? The life of Christ or it also identifies sin in life, okay? So it's a, it's a bunch of commandments and you can sort of check them off, okay? Uh, click. All right, okay, I checked that one. Click. I checked that one. Yeah, didn't murder today. <laughs> check that one. All right, check that one. Okay, check. Okay, uh, I don't know if there's another check on there. It's like, okay, we did a little bit, you know, but um, not, quite, not quite there. Um, so, life of God, I don't know. Um, but what happens with, with Jesus is he is the new representation of the righteousness of God, the care of God. He comes and he is the seamless, perfect, he's the full spectrum re representation of the righteousness of God in him. All right? In him was life, that life was the light of men. So he came forth uh, out, of, out from the law, born under the law, but now he supersedes the law by, by representing perfectly the holiness and righteousness of God. So that when he... Um, now he takes the checklist, okay? Click. Okay, so click again. Alright, so he takes it, and one by one, he passes them all. Alright? Now, the deal is, okay, this is the way it works, okay? You, even if you, you, you manage to, to, to cover all the commandments, adding them up doesn't get you there, okay? It doesn't get you to the seamless, full-spectrum righteousness of God. It just covers, it's just, you just pass the test, okay? Um, so, so, you can't get from the commandments to work up to, you know, being spiritually alive, uh, to the life of God. Uh, it, the only way, really, though, it was that Jesus came fully alive and uh, in him was life, the life of a lot of men, and he fulfilled the law, okay? So he's, he's saying to the people um, on, the sermon on, on the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Israel, okay? Remember, I was asked, said a little bit while ago that, um, okay, the suffering servant, is that Israel or is that the Messiah? Uh, well, it's both, okay? Because it's Israel's responsibility, but the one who fulfills Israel's responsibility is Israel's king, Israel's Messiah, the, the anointed one, all right? So he, he's standing there and he tells them, he says, remember, remember the, remember the uh, prophecy, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth? What does he tell them on the, on the hill there? He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, those are pretty good guys. I mean, uh, you know, we think of them as hypocrites and stuff, but they were really the, the most moral people. He says, well, how am I going to do that? He's that's what he's talking about. Um, he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay. Um, this is what their responsibility was. And, um, but the point is, he says, all right, this is what you're supposed to be doing as the representative of God on earth, but I'm going to do that for you, all right? 
I'm the point man, I'm taking over uh, in, in doing the responsibilities. So we see that he is actually the quintessential man doing the responsibilities of man. He's the last Adam. He's doing it right where Adam did it wrong. Right? So he's coming along and he is now, as the God-man, as the, sec as the last Adam, uh, fulfilling, he says, I did not, can't, in Matthew 5, 17, don't think I've come to abolish the law, I've come to not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Yes. Alright? So he fulfills the complete law. And you know, he's, on the Sermon on the Mount, he's also saying, well, you know, in between these commandments, there's some other things, okay? So, you know, yeah, you may not murder somebody today, but maybe you hated them today, okay? Well, he's not like making up new commandments. He's saying there's a positive righteousness. For example, if you have love, you're not going to murder someone, and you're not going to call them stupid. Well, you're not going to hate them, uh, right? If you have faithfulness, it's not just that you don't commit adultery, it's that you're also, you know, you're not going to look at someone to lust after them, etc., right? So, he says, this is the positive righteousness that I am, am bringing. Um, and so, and he fulfills the law, okay? So, that's super important that he's, he's done that for us. Um, okay. Because, and this is probably where we shift from yesterday into today, okay? So, all right, there's this really interesting place in Romans, click. All right, where you've got this um, arrangement, all right? It says this, he will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be trouble, tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, to the Jew first and the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For, and God, for God shows no partiality. You're going like, okay, now, now wait a minute. Doesn't that sound like works righteousness? Doesn't that sound like salvation by works, justification by works? Anybody? I mean, it's like, okay, so if you do the right thing, you get glory, honor, and immortality. If you do wrong, you get wrath, uh, anger, trouble, and stress, I think it says. Well, yes it is at this point, okay? Because this is plan A. If you want plan A, uh, you can have plan A. But fortunately, uh, Jesus came along with plan B. Um, and that's where his, it's important how he came and he fulfilled the law completely, all right? So he, he, he's on the top line, right? So he did everything by persistence in doing good. He did good continually all his whole life. He did no sin, and not only did no sin, he did positive righteousness his whole life. So he earned eternal life. Now he didn't have to earn eternal life, right? He was already in heaven eternally, you know, but he did it anyway, all right? So he came as a human being, as the second Adam, and did that. He's like, finally, somebody does it, right? And so, um, but plan B is, as follows, click. So he comes along, and whoops, all right. Even though he's earned eternal life, he's got to accept the penalty of death. All right? Uh, wrath, anger, so he takes that, and then, so you know what's coming next, right? Click. All right, so that's us down there. And it's called, the, it's called the Great Exchange, Amen. right? All right, the Great Exchange.
Man change, right. For I, for I determined to you uh, uh, as first importance of what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And it says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, it's, it's a simple exchange. It's not simple, but... Um, I mean, this is a heck of a deal. Yeah. All right? So, look, I, I, work with, I work with prisoners at jail. I don't know if you know that. I work uh, with uh, inmates at the jail. Uh, and I remember one guy was talking to me one time uh, that he was telling me the, the offer they'd made to him, right? Because, you know, they're, they're up for a certain penalty. But the, 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 the DA will make them an offer, you know, of a lesser if they'll plead guilty, right? It's called uh, plea, plea bargaining. He says, yeah, they... It was like 99 years. He said they were offering him 75. You know, it's like he was trying to decide whether to take that or not. You know, like he he, he wasn't really enthusiastic about it. <laughs> All right. So imagine this. Imagine you're on. You're up for uh, death penalty. Okay. And the DA walks in and goes, "All right, we're going to offer you a deal today. All right. Instead of the death penalty, we're going to give you uh, your freedom. We're going to give you a humongous mansion." going to give you $10 billion, your choice, depending on if you're a man or woman of the spouse of your choice, whatever, most beautiful, handsome, whatever, um, in the courtyard there's a fountain of youth, um, you, do you take the deal? I'm thinking you take the deal. I don't know. <laughs> so what you got here is, you've got um, wrath, anger, trouble, and just, I said, okay, we're going to plead you down to glory, honor, and immortality. <laughs> okay? So, I don't know. I am not qualified to give legal advice. But I say, take the deal. Yes. All right? Take the deal. All right. Besides, think, think about... Uh, back up a second. Can you, can you back up? Yeah, I, I won't covet. All right. Um, <laughs> Think about the wrath. Think about that bottom line, okay? Think about a minute of, you know, of what you've done that you don't want to tell me about or tell anyone else about, or maybe you have. All that stuff that got you there. He goes, all right, think about that. That's all just gone, right? It's just gone. It has been taken away by Jesus and Jesus' blood. That's the best part of the message. Yeah. All right. All right. So take take the deal. All right. Um, well, I'll try to zip this up here. Let's see. Um, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the Jew first, and also the Greek. The righteous will live by faith. All right. All right. Okay. Um, so, the point is, your destiny, if you've taken the deal, is no longer dependent on your behavior. Uh, that's kind of, that's kind of the moment of okay. It's dependent on Jesus' behavior. That's really good. Yeah. All right? Now, some people sort of object to that point saying like, yeah, but what if you like, go really bad after that? I mean, what if you like... Uh, you where does your behavior come in? It comes in somewhere. Because, okay, what you've got to understand is you're up in the glory, honor, and immortality thing. And he is more determined than you are to get you there. Mm 
in reality, too. Okay. Now that he's got now that he's got the penalties taken care of. Now that he's got destiny taken care of. He's going to like go with the reality of the thing. And he's he's he's. It says that. Um, those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, to be just like his son, uh, in order that uh, he might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those he predestined, he called and called, and he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. He says, he's going to get you there. Okay? If you're his, he will get you there, and he will keep working on it. All right? Um, why? He says, well, God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Romans 5, 5. Um, Okay, I'll have to breeze through a couple of things here. Let's get along. Um, okay, uh, so click the next one. Um, well, I was going to show you a little bit how this works, you know, because, uh, you know, you've got the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the thing that, that, that makes this thing work after this, okay? Because it used to be you'd read the Bible, and the Bible is a representation of God's... Um, like we said about the law, the representation of God's righteousness that is accessible through the eyes and ears. Only, it really is designed not to really work that well unless the Spirit of God is activating it within you, right? So, all right, so you, uh, Paul talks about, about this one verse uh, in Romans chapter 7 about thou shalt not covet. All right, so let's say I'm, um, I've seen my, my, my friend's got a new, uh, a new Honda Civic, you know, and it's, 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 it's yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's a it's a 2005, you know, which is which is like 10 years more recent than my car, and I, I'm going like I'm going like oh my god, what I would I would kill to have his car, you know, right? Uh, that's that's really lame, I know, but all right. So so I'm you know I'm reading the Bible and I and I read this one. It's, it's, so it's like a search engine, all right. So it's going to find out what's in me, all right. So I I put in click. Thou shalt not covet. All right? Okay. So it's going to whirl around, right? Okay. I'm thinking, oh, that new Honda, that new to me Honda Civic, you know, oh, it's only nine, eight years old. Okay. And so it clicks, it, the, the, like a lot of search engines do, it says, click. Did you mean Corvette? Oh, ah! All right. That's the closest thing to thou shalt not covet in me. All right? <laughs> Now that makes everything worse, let me tell you that. All right. All right, so let's go on to the next thing. <clears throat> All right, because we've got me there uh, looking at the Bible, click, in, 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 in a world where basically God is invisible to me. God is blocked off from me. And it's just me with, like, I'm, I'm like a computer that's not on a network, right? Not online. All right, so I read this thing, scriptures, I look at it, click, and, it, and, it, and I, the information comes back to me, but all it could connect with was in my little heart, which is green because it's sick, all right? It's full of, it's full of malware, all right? I've got worms and Trojan horses and stuff like that, little pop-ups, little lies that like to pop up, like, you know, I want a Corvette that might, you know, I would kill for that. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's what Paul says this, the, the law will do if it just encounters uh, what's in me, all right? Because in me is nothing good. All right. But man's not supposed to be a solitary entity. Man's supposed to be online. All right? Now, uh, the man with the spirit, okay? Because a man without the spirit, things are, are nonsense uh, in the scriptures. But with the spirit, it's like being online. Okay? So now, uh, 
that commandment clicks into something, goes up into the network, and it co connects with the heart of God. All right? And in the heart of God, there is love and contentment and, um, you know, you, that it, now it makes sense. That's something I covet. All right? Let's click again. So, all right. So we, we have God, and in a um, click, and a world that's, that's you know, it, He's invisible to the world, and the world is blind, right? So, and so you have, click, so you have Jesus, the visible representation uh, to humanity of God. And he is a man online. Uh, he's God himself, but he's also, uh, he is, uh, he says, uh, I was anointed with the Holy Spirit uh, to, to open the eyes of the blind, right? To, to re uh, release captives from, from the dungeon. Okay, so click. So, so he's online as well. Click. Sorry, okay. All right. Um, so what he has devised, he, sa he said, he said, um, says, truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise, right? So he's, he's doing this in the power of the spirit at the instructions of the father. At the, but he says, now he says about us, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him is he that bears much fruit. And then Paul says, I say, walk in the spirit and will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So put, uh, go ahead and click. So he has us in the same position. Now he says, as, uh, as you have sent me, uh, as Father has sent me, I have sent you. And click, go ahead and click, and we'll pass through this. So he says, let your light shine before men, empowered by, uh, click. This is really cool. All right. Uh, so they may see, they see your light and glorify my Father who's in heaven, all right? So it's, the things are coming down around the blind, world's blinders and showing forth the light that is to the glory of, of the Father, all right? All right, uh, so let's move on. Uh, this is like uh, more of today. Click. Okay, here we are back to this. Okay, so all right, this is where it gets weird. All right, so what happens here now uh, is as Jesus has gone uh, and has left the earth again, he's left in charge of his people. And now his people are doing something new. Click. All right, they're spreading out. All right, to the nations. All right. He said, they asked him, okay. Um, well, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Uh, that the, the Father may be glorified in the Son. He goes, all right, so now we have, yes. Yeah, Oh, it's still going in there. Okay. Clicking and impacting the different nations. All right. And what, what did the apostles say about themselves? Acts 13, 47. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Where have you heard that before? All right. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So uh, something has happened here. Okay. What has happened is that the whole thing gets reoriented now. All right. So now you have the main axis is, is not along the nation line, not the nation of Israel line. It has shifted, all right? All right so basically is you had a time in line before, and now you have a 
line, in sp an axis in space. Um, they asked him one time, is this the time when you're restoring the nation to Israel? He says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so uh, the way this works is, okay, now for this time, the whole time we're in, it's not oriented by time, it's, uh, it's moving into the, all the ends of the earth. Okay, and... Um, Um, something has happened to Israel here, okay? Um, Paul says that, uh, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. It's in Romans eleven twenty-five. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So, um, I'll try to speed this up, but this is, what this is representing is a time when the Gentiles are just one nation among every other nation, right? And you have, uh, Paul calls it, all the, the wild olive branches been grafted in alongside, uh, uh, you know, Israel. And then you see here, the dividing wall of hostility is broken down, and he's made all these into one new man. See, it's, it's broken down there at the law, uh, the, the wall of hostility with, between Israel and the nations is broken down, and he's made one new man, the church, out of that, Okay. All right, um, skip over some stuff here. Okay, and that's where we are right now, in my opinion, okay? And um, we are oriented toward reaching the ends of the earth. But there will come a day when that reorientation of the axis changes once again, okay? And we can click back to... Okay, all right, I gotta tell you something about the sevens. Okay, um, really fast. Okay, there's a prophecy in, in Daniel where he's got 70 sevens. Uh, do you know that one? Does that ring a bell? Okay, all right, and it looks a little bit like this. Go click. You've got uh, seven, okay, that. Okay, click. Got one block of seven sevens, you want one block of 62 uh, sevens. Click. And one block of seven sevens, of, of one seventh, right, of years, okay? Click. All right. So this is like this incredible puzzle, incredible time pu number puzzle that uh, uh, is given to Daniel. And uh, there's been a couple of solutions to how this can fit in there. One of them is like this. Um, click. I said, well, you take this one, but they click. But the last... Last seven is way down here, okay. That hasn't satisfied a number of people. Um, another, another solution is this, click. And then, but you have to like stretch this last seven, click. So where it's, it's kind of elastic, you know, it fits over things. Um, <clears throat> I really wish I could explain this in a little more detail. This is terrible, I can't explain it. I don't have time to even to do this. All right, <clears throat> but in my scheme, uh, click. All right, you've got this, and you keep it just the way it is, and click, it lays over the thing like that, okay? That's because you're not progressing in any time during the time of the Gentiles here, this time of the church, uh, time that's going up and down. It just lays over it there and you go straight from, uh, so what happens is, uh, the beginning of the thing is a certain decree that goes out to rebuild Jerusalem. 
and that the end of the, of, the, of the 62 there is when Messiah comes. And then you have another seven, uh, one seven left, okay? All right. <clears throat> okay, the reason I even bring this up is that what you've got there as, as the, the, the whole plane orients back to north and south with, with Christ there on the middle of that uh, is you've got one more seven. Okay, you've got a seven. Where, where are we going to find something with seven in it? You think, think of a book with lots of sevens in it? Exactly, Revelation. All right. So it's just like, um, and I think what we're showing is now that the events of the Revelation uh, are in that last uh, one seven here, which is, which is not physically separated from the rest of it. Okay. All right. So um, click again, I guess. All right. So we've got this thing. Um, and now we have Jesus. Uh, we have these, these, these last seven years which were given to Israel to finish up uh, transgression. Um, it says, um, oh, it says, okay. Um, all right, 77s to, uh, to put an end, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. All right, so that um, ends with, the, with, with, this, with this time where Jesus finally returns, and it says, um, the lawless one will be revealed, and the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Okay? Um, and then he does, and then, um, and then we have one more period of time in here where Jesus has come to earth, and the scripture talks about him ruling on, on the earth now for a period of time. And this period of time, uh, go ahead and click it, is where he, he takes over and rules over all the nations. It's no longer just the nation of Israel. It's no longer just across the nations. Now it's sort of the, both the warp and the woof. And he takes and he, and he says... Um, um, it, as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive, but each according to his order. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God his Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we see at the, uh, sec the third to last chapter of Revelation 20 11, and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And the second death, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. And then when that's done, um, go ahead and click. The whole thing is brought into this uh, eternity, uh, the, the new heavens and new earth. Uh, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Remember what he wanted at the very beginning to create a, a people for his, own, for his own possession, for his own pleasure. Now the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying um, or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Amen. All right, well. All right, so let's, let's pray. Lord, we just 
if we could really get a glimpse of what you're preparing for us, uh, we're just overwhelmed with um, your greatness and your 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 glory, and also with your your kindness and your condescension in coming down and and uh, giving your life for us and for giving us the great exchange of of your righteousness for our sin. And we just thank you for that. And we just ask you now to. Uh, Speak with us and let your Holy Spirit pour the love of God in our hearts. Uh.